I know I say this every time, but that show was fun. I, yeah, it was. It was. We got Kelly Doran back, <laughs> Lauren Mole here, talking Halloween. It's October here in wine country, and one of my favorite subjects. So we delve into the holiday itself, a little bit of the history, a little reminiscing uh, about our own Halloween experiences, a little bit of horror movie talk, a well-rounded show, if I do say so. So thank you, Kelly, yes. for coming thank back. Thank you for having me on. What a pleasure, always. And uh, for folks who aren't aware, why don't you mention your 31 Days of Monsters? Every October, starting October 1st through October 31st, I draw one monster day and post it on my Instagram account. My Instagram account is kelly.doran on Instagram. It is K-E-L-L-Y period D-O-R-E-N. And if you want to check that out on Instagram, I'd appreciate it. Cool, man. I certainly enjoy it. And it's fun and educational because you really learn a lot about uh, the cultures of the world and their myths and legends. And not only do you uh, illustrate one of these creatures, uh, monsters, uh, creature of legend, uh, but you give a little story uh, from that culture. A little digest of what they are and what they do. Yeah. Fun. Thank you for that. Thank you. Bringing the world to us through monsters. Lauren Mole, not a fan of horror movies, but a fan of announcing. So do your thing. We invite you to join Jed at his family's winery at the south end of Silverado Trail. Jed's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail, here in Napa Valley, California, USA. Visiting information is at judshill.com, or you can call 707-255-2332. Thank you, Lauren. And while you're online checking out that uh, visiting info, you can also see on our website... We've got all kinds of cool stuff. We've got fun videos we've made over the years, quirky some say, and of course, all of our wine is available. All of our small lot, delicious, delicious wine. And you can put some in your shopping cart, and I say we give them a deal, Lauren, because they're nice enough to listen to this show. Just type in coupon code JNVS, all lowercase letters, please, and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. And if that's not enough, you can join the Judd's Hill Wine Club anytime, day or night. That's right. So 15% off of your wine order for listening to the show. And the wine club has uh, even better deals on that when you factor in the, the the nice price we give you for the wine, the shipping deals, and of course, all the invitations to events, not only at the winery, but around the world. I like that raised eyebrow you just gave me there, Lauren. Well, that's enough of that. Let's, let's, let's get right to it. Let's delve into Halloween. Now, enjoy the show. Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another heapful of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. More important than the food pairing is the person with whom you drink Judd's Hill wine. And now, live from Wine Down Media Studios at South Napa Century Center. It's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, Judd Fingelstein. Good morning, Lauren Mole. I sure appreciate that energetic, enthusiastic, and fantastic 
introduction. Thanks, man. How are you? I'm fine, Judd. How are you? I'm so good right now. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day in Napa Valley. Harvest time. The smell of fermentation is in the air, but we're kind of winding down now. The light's at the end of the tunnel, which is kind of nice. Everyone's been working really hard all season. It will be nice to wrap it up, get the wine in the barrel. I was going to say kick my feet up a bit and have our cellar crew kick their feet up a bit, but uh, hard work doesn't really end once the grapes come in. We can slow down a bit, but just be nice not to be so hectic. That's what I'm getting at. And it's beautiful and it's fall, perhaps my favorite season here in Napa Valley. The, the leaves are turning colors. Folks complain around California, there's no seasons and the, and, the, and the colors. And well, there are. Maybe we're not to the scale of New England. And one day, maybe if I ever uh, retire out of wine, because this is the time I always have to be here for the harvest, so I can't get to New England. But one of these days, I'd like to go out and see the, the vibrant colors. But the vineyards right now, I don't know if you've noticed Lauren Mole, the uh, Changing colors, the grapevines. I know around our place, you're nodding yes. Have you seen some good uh, color changing? I, I pretty much have, yes. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, just a couple days ago, there were some hints of yellow in the vineyard surrounding our winery. Oh. And yesterday, it was just golden. It changed really quickly. It's just beautiful. And you get that late afternoon sunlight off the golden vines now. It's postcard. Picture postcard perfect. Get your cameras out, folks. Now's the time. What are you doing? What's up with you? Well, I've been working a lot at uh, at Knob Hill, and Cindy Skinner and Napa Valley Voices will be uh, performing around town during the holidays. Okay, are you going to give us? Are you going to keep us updated uh, as as uh, some I, dates I come will. up? And these will be public performances, perhaps. I'm we'll thinking see. they may be public performances. <laughs> Who knows? You always come in and tease us with these great performances, and they say, "But they're only for you know the place where we're performing. They're private." And I, I get built up, built up, and then, oh, let down. But I'm glad you're performing. I'm glad you're singing. Very cool. Yeah, saw you the other day at Knob Hill. Went in to grab a sandwich. And um, always friendly. Thank you very much. And then found out that the nice young lady who was making my sandwich is your cousin. It's like a whole family business over there at Knob Hill. Well, sort of. There's two case. of you anyway. <laughs> right. Well, it was nice to meet another member of the Lauren Mole family over there. Right. Well, th- this is on the my mom's side of the family, though. Okay, but that's still the Lauren Mole right. family. We can, exactly. Yeah, yes. it's related to you one yes. way or another. Yes. Ruth's uh, niece, is it? I believe so. Yes. Okay. All right. Anywho, well, that's good. Glad you're glad you're doing well. Glad you're working. Glad you're performing. I'm glad that we have our guest coming up. By the way, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put in a quick plug. That's fine. I'm not gonna go on and on. Things are good over at Judd's Hill. I invite everybody to come visit us. I don't know if we talked about this or not. We've we've I've 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 tooted my horn a little bit about our for many past couple of years anyway being the number one thing to do via TripAdvisor. If you type in things to do in Napa Valley, it will be a visit to Judd's Hill, and I'm I'm very proud of that. Our, our I take our hospitality seriously, our wine quality very seriously. We were just awarded another fantastic uh, recognition, and this was the Great Wine Capitals, which is an organization, global wine organization, uh, covers Europe, Australia, South America, all the great wine regions, and Judd's Hill uh, was awarded last month the Best of Innovative Wine Tourism Award. So they keep coming in, and I really would love to showcase to our neighbors here in Napa and the North Bay what we do. So Check us out, judshill.com. Visiting information is there. 
and come see us. Come look at our events page where you'll see what we've got cooking, including our cruise next year. I'm going to take this hospitality that we've become known for here in Napa Valley and take it to the Mediterranean, and uh, I'll be hosting this. So come along and join me for a nice Mediterranean cruise next summer. Judshill.com events page. You'll see it all there. Thank you very much. Now, Lauren Mole, shall we introduce today's guest? What do you say? Our returning guest has been heard but not seen. Although his art has made the Instagram scene, he's back for a talk to inform and maybe shock. It's our pal Kelly on Halloween. <laughs> Kelly Doran, <laughs> Mr. October. Thank you. Uh, the other Mr. October. You know, Reggie Jackson's got nothing on you, man. <laughs> Happy to have you back. You are a you. resident expert on horror movies and Halloween history and... <laughs> I love this stuff. This is this is one it's of my, my favorite. favorite time of year. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, uh, congratulations on your uh, many awards. Oh, thank you very much. The winery. I appreciate that. I, I really do. But I'm not going to get into it right now. I would love to go on about how great <laughs> we are. But we're here to talk to you about Halloween. You've been here. We've been talking about horror movies the past couple yeah. weeks. Now we're going to talk about the holiday itself. One of the favorites around our house. Uh, we love. Um, you know, my kids love dressing up. Now they're a little older. They're actually designing their own costumes. Oh, wow. Learning sewing and creating their own costumes. What and are they going to be this year? Well, this is funny. This is, this is unusual for us. Usually they know by this time in October, they know what they're going to be, you know, in the following week for Halloween. But then they've already figured out the next Halloween, you know, a year. So they're, you know, they're 54 weeks. They think. Yeah. yeah, they know 54 weeks ahead. <laughs> this time there's still a little uncertainty. Oh, no. And we're, we're getting close here. We're, you know, yeah, 10 days out. You're a little over a week. It'll come, it'll come together, though. Not a problem. They're very creative. And that's what I like about this holiday. It just allows for basically unlimited creativity. Yes. And that's the way I view Halloween. Some people get a little caught up in the imagery and... And some underlying meanings to me, at least, I'm talking about me personally, I'm not going to force my views on anyone else, but to me, it's just, it's just an opportunity to be creative and let us, and especially the kids just come up with these fantastic ideas and run with them. And that is why I love Halloween. There's really, it can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. It's just, that's like, I do my 31 days of monsters every year. And that's one thing that I love about monsters and Halloween is just there is an infinite variety. You can, monsters can be anything you want them to, and Halloween costumes can be anything you want yeah. them to. You can go as, you know, your stereotypical like vampire, you can go as the scarecrow, you can go as a fairy princess, you can go as a Coca Cola machine if you want to. I think I've done all of those. Yeah, you can be <laughs> anything you want to on Halloween. As long yeah. as you can build the costume, that's what you can be. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Well you've you've been studying this holiday for probably ever. Yeah, it's I mean when I was a kid, you know, all I knew was trick or treating and horror films and that was what Halloween was for me and makeup and things like that. But as I got older, you know, you start reading about Halloween and you start discovering the history of it and where it comes from and why we do the things we do and why the imagery we have is, you know, I mean, some of it's more, you know, you understand like, you know, witches and black cats were familiars of witches and, but you know, like 
carving pumpkins, where did that come from? Trick-or-treating, where did that come from? I, I, you know, over the years, I've read little articles and tidbits about this, but I would love to hear uh, from from you, sir, the origin stories of some of these traditions. Should we jump sure. right in? Jump right in. Yeah, where, where do you want to start? You want well, to start? I mean, we could go back to just the basis of the, the, the origin of the celebration. This will appeal to you and also to Napa Valley right now is that originally uh, Halloween was the Celtic, it was a Celtic harvest festival. So Hmm. this was the time of year when all of the planted crops were being brought in, animals were being slaughtered for for the long winter ahead, and it was the Celtic festival of Samhain, S A M H A I N, which is pronounced Samhain, not Samhain, which a lot of people think it is. Mm. But this was the time of year when, you know, harvest happened and crops were brought in and when they were set aside because in those times, you know, it was about to get, it was about to become winter. Yeah, very cold. And and it was going to be very cold. You could, you know, butcher animals and you knew that that was going to keep because you could freeze the, the meat at that time of year and you could... You know, you set aside your stocks for the future. And it was a celebration that was set up to kind of acknowledge the year that we just had, the harvest that we just brought in, and then, you know, kind of preparing us for the cold winter ahead until, you know, we got back to summer and we could start planting or spring and summer. And how far back does this go? You said ancient Celtic. Centuries. I mean, it it goes back, you know, to pre-Christian era. Oh, so, so millennia. Yeah, millennium. So okay. it went very far back. Neolithic period of Ireland. These were hunter-gatherers. These were also, this was a time when it got to, because the, there was also subsistence gathering where you would gather, you could gather berries, you could gather nuts. Okay. And, you know, when winter happened, you couldn't do that anymore. So you had to have all of your supplies. Hey, everything was in. Stocked up. So you painted the picture. This is... The harvest uh, celebration. How does it transform into what we've come to know as Halloween? It was believed that that period of time in between the harvest and winter, it was what they called a liminal period, which was this was an area where it was getting darker. It was a time of year when it was getting darker and it was getting colder. And it was believed that this was an area, this was a time of year when the, the border between our world and the other side mm-hmm. was getting thinner and there were holes and, you know, your, your deceased relatives, because they were still ancestor worship mm-hmm. at that period, they, you know, your relatives might come back and other things might come back like spirits and creatures that like fairies and elves and goblins and ghouls could come through too. Oh, wow. And... So they would have these big feasts and big festivals, you know, to prepare for winter. But part of this was also as a way to appease these spirits. They would set out food for their, for their mm. dead ancestors that might come back looking for their homes and might come back kind of wandering into our world and be looking for, you know, places and people that they knew in the past. I see. So you would set out treats and supplies and things that... Your relatives might, you know, dine on instead of bothering you too much. Okay. And, you know, they also, people would wear costumes as a way to kind of 
poke fun at the spirits and ghosts, but also as a way to possibly frighten them off. Like the ghosts and spirits wouldn't stay around if there were other evil spirits in the way. So that's where costuming came from. And there's trick or treating kind of comes out of the idea of they, uh, a, uh, an event or a pastime called mumming or guising where they would dress up in costumes and then go door to door and kind of solicit either food or drink or alcohol as a way of celebration. I never knew that yet. Somehow that's been passed through to me. Uh, Maybe, maybe from the other side, I've received messages or maybe it's just because I live in Napa, but I am a guy who, when I go out on Halloween night, you know, I kind of follow the herd of kids, make sure no one gets into too much trouble. I always carry a bottle of wine with me <laughs> and I'm not drinking it myself, but I put a bunch of uh, little compostable, that compostable plastic type cups on the top of a bottle. And as I get to the door, I offer up a little uh, sip of Cabernet, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like a little reverse. <laughs> it's reverse. Treating. Yeah. I'm offering the, uh, the homeowner a treat. That's kind That's of fun. I mean, nice. it's Napa. So yeah, people it seem Napa, to appreciate yeah. it and not be too surprised. Uh, when we were growing up, I remember some neighbors down the street would often go door to door. They were adults and mm-hmm. would dress up in their costumes and go door to door and solicit drinks from people. And my father kind of had a very short temper about that. Like he thought it was a little drinks. inappropriate. But <laughs> I mean, I can see like going around and just asking people, these people showed up and expected you to give them a drink. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that's a whole other thing. You're handing out. Yes, I'm, I'm providing. Okay. So we have... A bit of the origin story of where maybe costumes came from and the treats. Pumpkins? Carved pumpkins? Jack-o'-lanterns? Well, originally, jack-o'-lanterns were not carved out of pumpkins. Pumpkins are American. They came from the New World. They didn't have pumpkins in Europe. Oh, ooh, ooh, hold on. I, it's coming back to me from the deep recesses of my... Tell me if I'm right or not. This is going to be like a... Jeopardy, you want to give me, can you give me the ding ding if, it, if it's good, Lauren, or whatever they do? All right, tell me if this is not true. From the deep recesses of my brain, I may have read this somewhere. Were the original jack-o'-lanterns made from turnips? Yes, they were. Ding ding. Thank you, Lauren. Wow. Or, okay. as they were referred to, which is a great word. It's one of my favorite words. Mangle wurzels. Wow. Mangle wurzel. Okay, we have a professional. The Hold old up. world... Oh, go, go ahead. Finish that. It's the thought. old world term for a turnip. Really? Or a large root vegetable similar to a turnip. Well, we have a professional announcer right here in our midst, and I would like to hear him say three times in a row that word. What word? Mangle, <laughs> mangle wurzel. Mangle wurzer. Mangle wurzer. Mangle wurzer. Is there an L at the end? Yes. Mangle wurzel. Mango Wurzel. <laughs> you got it. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> We're going to use that in a, in a future Halloween show. I'm that, pretty that sure he clip. may have just summoned some sort of demon by saying Mangle Wurzel. Oh, three times? Three times. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Let's see. Either that or a pumpkin-like sprite. There are new curtains in the studio. Let's see if they start waving. Or... And these look amazing. <laughs> they do. They're very, very, very handsome curtains. A new okay. addition to the studio. So, okay. So, Mangle Wurzel's... Please continue. How does this they become would, an image well, of Halloween? Well, there was a legend of the legend of jack-o'-lanterns came from supposedly there was a gentleman named Jack who was very, he was kind of a roguish character, didn't quite follow the religious beliefs, didn't quite, you know, wasn't quite 
horrible enough to deserve to go to the other place. So when he died, <laughs> yeah. he went to heaven and St. Peter said, no, you're not good enough for heaven. So he kicked him out of heaven and then he went to hell and then was kicked out of hell because the devil didn't want competition. So he was had to wander the afterlife and his only the only thing that he had was a coal that the devil had given him, and he put it inside of a lantern that he carved out of a turnip. Oh. And that is so then they started decorating and carving turnips with faces and would put a hot coal inside of it so that it would the light would come out of the eyes and that was Hence our modern sticking a tea candle or a yeah. LED light in there to inside have of it a glow. Pumpkin. Wow. And now, I mean, pumpkin carving has gotten huge. There's competitions. Oh, beautiful. There's huge pumpkin growing competitions. I just read uh, last week in your fine newspaper that uh, the California state record was broken by a, a local of our own yes. Napa Valley with yeah. a 2,000 plus pound, you know, more than a ton, yes. one pumpkin. They're enormous. Wow. And, and on the East Coast, they even, uh, they grow the large pumpkins and then they will hollow them out and make boats. <laughs> and then hold yes. boat races down the river. And I've always thought the Napa River would be a great place to have a pumpkin boat contest. Well, you are no stranger to uh, community organizing with your whole Rebobs campaign. Maybe we could put together a uh, giant pumpkin flotilla for next, that would be fun. next Halloween. I'm not kidding. Why don't we uh, speak of this off the air? Okay. And if anybody listening would like to uh, lend a hand, you know, get in touch somehow. That, <laughs> that sounds great. like great fun. <laughs> All right, so we've got jack-o'-lanterns. We have a little idea of maybe we're trick-or-treating. Well, where does the, the trick... Do we know where the trick part... Well, the tricks, I think it it was mainly as... It was part of the mumming tradition because in mumming traditions in England, which took place during harvest time, people would put on costumes and wander around their villages. And they would... There was... In some of the traditions, you would go to the house, you would request food and drink, but you would also put on kind of a, a pantomime, a little act, a little play mm. that had a very set kind of call and response uh, feature to it. And if people messed that up, they would have to give more to them in donations and coins, like food, drink, and it was coins. food, drink. And it was usually mm-hmm. some of it was given to the poor, some of it was given out to other uh, other community sources and that kind of, there was a lot of pranking. There was a lot of joviality. There was a lot of, cause you're, you're thinking that this is a time of year when you're heading into the darkness, mm-hmm. you want to kind of pick up people's spirits because in real, in the ancient time, some people might not make it through the winter. Mm. You're, you know, it might, I mean, cause winters got very brutal back then. So it, you might not always see everybody through the entire winter because mm-hmm. you'd be inside trying to stay warm, only needing to go outside. So you kind of wanted to pick up everybody's spirits. I'm pretty sure people got cabin fever or seasonal affective disorder back then. And because we don't hibernate like bears yeah. and other animals. Yeah. So you kind of had to keep your spirits up and with song and drink and fun and frivolity. Are there records of what these little pantomime plays would have oh, been yeah. like, because I would, I would like to see this. I would like to, along with the pumpkin flotilla, maybe have an, a good old fashioned Halloween uh, there extravaganza are. that features 
something like this. We They're can really very see... well documented, like Mummer's plays yeah. are very well documented. I've got a book, uh, I can't remember the name of it off. I actually found it when I was in college and it, it was written by a uh, folklore and ethnologist and a specialist in folklore. He went and did a very detailed chronicle of Mummer's all right, we're going to talk about this. Yeah. Because I, I, I would like to see somebody put this together. Maybe there's a group that could, uh, could portray this maybe next Halloween season and, and, and see what that was all about. we got to take a break. Sure. We're here with Kelly Doran. He is our resident expert in horror films and Halloween history. We're going to come back after the break. We're going to do a little reminiscing about Halloween, maybe talk a little bit more horror films. you got some Halloween trivia and fun facts. And uh, for those who are playing along at home, go on to Instagram and see Kelly's 31 Days of Monsters. He's a fine illustrator. And that is Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, dot Doran, common spelling, but it's E-N, D-O-R-E-N. Kelly dot Doran is your Instagram handle, correct? Yep, that is it. All right. You're listening to Judd's Napa Valley Show. We'll be right back after these messages. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of Finkel fun. Want to hear this episode again as well as past episodes? Subscribe to our podcast. Search for Judd's Napa Valley Show in the iTunes store. Now, back to the show. Thanks, Lauren Mole. We're back. That was a quick break. <laughs> and uh, we are here with Kelly Doran. We're been t- we've been talking about it. But what were you talking about? Tripping over your words a moment <laughs> <Yeah>. ago. <laughs> uh, here we go, folks. It's infectious. It is. It's like the zombie plague. <laughs> you start tripping over words. I'll start tripping over words. As long as Lauren stays clear. Actually, you just reminded me of a of a horror film when we talk about them later that I need to bring up that you might like. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, we're talking about Halloween. You've been giving us some little... Uh, I still, I'm still tongue-tied. You've been giving us some history about the holiday of Halloween, and let's let's continue on. You've okay. got... It looks like you've got quite a bit of info in front of you. What do you where do you want to go now? Um, I, We could talk about uh, trick-or-treating some more. I Back in the 30s and 50s, uh, actually, it, there was more of a move to get people... Well, one, some of the communities saw trick-or-treating as begging mm. and didn't like it and thought that it was actually un-American because <laughs> going door-to-door asking for things that weren't yours were considered, was considered begging and that we shouldn't be teaching our children this. Those people are also known as wet blankets. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, they also, that uh, in the 1950s was when UNICEF started donating... Mm. And sending out their little boxes for kids to get pennies and coins to donate. That was pretty clever on their part to designate Halloween as UNICEF Day. Because people were already giving out pennies as treats. So why not put them in this little container and send it in to help the kids around the world? Yep. Yeah. And now we have things like Trunk or Treat, which is where parents, instead of having kids go door to door, have decided that... It'd be better to have kids go to parking lots and then trick or treat out of the trunks of strangers' cars. <laughs> okay. Which I understand you're trying to keep your kids safe, but 
I'm I'm a traditionalist. And, you know, some of the first things you teach your kid, don't play in a parking lot and don't accept candy from people in cars. Right? Exactly. <laughs> it is kind of a weird mixed message. I, I, I have not kids. heard of this trunk or treat, but yeah. Okay. I mean, I know these <laughs> things happen in shopping malls and along first street Napa, right. they, the businesses will give out and candy. The, yeah. It's, it's kind of a way to get, you know, kids out trick or treating in a safer environment. Yeah. Um, I, I personally don't know any parents that just send their kids out. When I was a kid, parents would open the door and be like, okay, once your potato, your pillowcase gets full of candy, bring it back, dump it and you can go out again. Yeah. And that doesn't seem to happen very much anymore. No, I think folks have become, pardon the expression, spooked. About yes. Halloween there in the early 80s or mid-80s, there was a big scare right. uh, with some poisoning. The uh, the 70s brought us the satanic panic. And, yes, and, and stranger danger stranger danger becoming a big thing. Most of which was not rooted in any fact, but just paranoia. And, and I don't know, I mean, I know you know, the Ben Cooper... Was that the brand yes. of Halloween? Ben Cooper. I get that. Ben Sherman, Ben Davis, Ben. <laughs> been a long time since I remember. There's all these clothing brands. But Ben Cooper was the famous, probably the most famous yes. purveyor of Halloween costumes. Yep, the prepackaged Halloween costumes oh. you could get in any store. I loved him. Uh, I remember going to like Thrifty Drugs and exactly. picking out, I think uh, when I was six, I had the Ben Cooper Frankenstein. Oh, And you great. got a thin plastic mask. Yep. In a vinyl smock yep. that depicted the character <laughs> character on the front. On the front. Yeah. And then you went around and it was fantastic. But this scare connected to the Tylenol. Yes. Basically canceled Halloween that year. I yeah. mean, so many people didn't go out. They were scared that the most famous Halloween uh, costume company did not last much longer. Like it it, it so uh, it impacted really their business bad. that year, they couldn't recover. Yeah. So I know you wanted to talk a little bit about this. Yeah, so this is why we're we're now busing kids or driving to neighborhoods deemed quote unquote safe or going to known businesses to trick or treat. Yeah, it's 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 something that kind of it's one of those scares the the they used to call them fof stories, friend of a friend stories, right? Which were or urban legends. Yes, I heard were, about this. I heard this. You know, my my cousin's dentist told me that somebody right. died on their on their block after they ate like a tainted Jolly Rancher. And Mm -hmm. this, it, there's only one instance of somebody actually intentionally being poisoned by candy. At least this is as far as my research was, or was able to turn up 1974 case. uh, A kid died in Texas, died from a cyanide laced package of pixie sticks. Mm. And the police ended up investigating it, finding out that he didn't get the pixie sticks while he was out trick-or-treating. They were put in his bag by his father, who wanted to cash in on an insurance policy. Oh, my gosh. But, of course, by the time the truth came out, everybody was in a panic over their kids, you know, possibly being poisoned by some fiend that, you know, in in the neighborhood that was handing out tainted candy and it carried over year after year and it just built. And there were, there were cases of kids getting poisoned on or around Halloween, but it always had to do with them ingesting either poisons, household poisons or food or 
um, drugs, illicit drugs that their parents had left lying around the house. But nothing to do with the actual candy itself. And there are no cases no. of razor blades actually being found in Not as candy far as bars I can or anything yeah. like that. I've, I've, you know, I do a little reading too, and yeah. I've, I've, I have read this as well. Uh, most of the paranoia surrounding uh, Halloween in that sense, not rooted in any fact. It's still not a bad idea. And I remember this no. was a rule in my in my household growing up. I'd come home with the candy, you know, with friends. We usually had, I usually had the Halloween party. So a bunch right. of friends would come over and then we would lay out our candy. And my parents and whichever parents were also there would kind of look them over, the, all the pieces and say, all yeah, right, you, this you looks you okay. You threw out like the caramel apples or the things that weren't wrapped. The popcorn ball, the things that looked like they'd been homemade. Like if somebody put a homemade yeah, cookies. Yeah, not a good idea. Because you didn't know what was right. in that. But if it was like... A fun size Snickers bar that hadn't already been opened up. Yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah. had the wrapper clearly on it. That yeah. was that was fair that game. That was good. I remember uh, a neighbor in the neighborhood where I grew up. I went up to their doorstep one year and was trick or treating, and he handed me a full size Three Musketeer bar, mm. but it had like a seven inch nail stuck through it. What? Like laterally threw it and he handed it to me, here, here's the candy. He was oh, just joking. Yes. It was like a gag. A, 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 obvious. Yeah, you it can was have obviously this giant... that, you know, he he stuck <laughs> this nail through this candy bar. That's terrible. And I looked at it and I kind of looked at him like, is is this for real? And then he started laughing and his wife like swatted him and said, oh, you're so bad. I hope he still gave you a... Gave me a full-size okay, Snickers bar. Because those are the most popular people. Yeah. In, in our neighborhood, there's a house that gives out not just full-size, king-size Reese's mm. every year. And you can bet the kids leave our house. And we still have the Halloween party, the Finkel Fright. And the neighbors all ask us, are you doing Halloween this year? Because they, they know they need to load up. Because so many kids descend on yeah, our house to I start imagine. But the first stop, they just run to this house before they run out. <laughs> and those neighbors moved last year. Oh, no. I know. This is going to be a sad Halloween. Those kids are going to run over. There There's are people living there now. Poor, but... poor people that live there now. You're going to be like, you... you. I let them know. Well, you know, when they were moving in, I kind of knocked on the door. Uh, just so you know, by the way, uh, if you don't want to get TP'd or egged, uh, this is the history you of this house. And up. you might want to stock up on some big candy. <laughs> Sorry. It's the price saw, of moving into that house. <laughs> I saw a photo on Reddit of somebody's coffee table and they had stocked up with full size candy bars. Like they had everything the the three musketeers, Snickers, Reese's, yeah. everything. And they said, I'm finally doing it. I finally have a good paying job. And I'm going to be that house. This <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Year. The most popular Lauren, uh, you have, did you have like a, the one house you knew always had a good candy or a good treat or good decorations or a up good there? scare or a good scare? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, very much. Yes. There was, was it, I mean, here in Napa, do you recall which neighborhood that was in? Um, I think it was in our neighborhood. And what was it about it that you liked? Oh, well, my old neighbors, uh, Ed and Betty Rydell, they used to have like a, a giant inflatable decorations, or they might've been lit up mm-hmm. out in front of their yard. So they had a spectacle out front that was fun to look at. It, it was. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. I, I dig it the most. We say. had a couple of neighbors in our neighborhood that always had the a neighbor across the street always had a rocking chair on a, out on his porch, and he would dress up in bulky clothing oh, with like no. a, a mask. Yeah, and you know it was always darkly lit, but you could see <laughs> the candy bowl, uh, so you had to go up to get it. It was very simple; it wasn't very elaborate, but 
oh, we knew, you know, it's like, oh, Kenny's going to be out there and he's going to have the the candy and he's going to be there trying to scare us. And, and would he sometimes scare oh, you and sometimes yeah, he would not? always scare us. Okay. Would like, you know, and then jump and we'd just <laughs> run out of the little side yard screaming. Oh, dear. We used to have a very cool setup that a friend would bring over and set up in our house. And it was a, he was able to replicate, he was, a, you know, engineer type. So he was able to replicate the singing ghosts from Disney's haunted Ooh, mansion. Nice. You know, when the crypt goes creak and the tombstones quake, yeah. goats come out for a lively wake. That whole scene with the, like the, what the do you call them? The busts. Yeah. The statuary that are singing. And he videotaped, I got to be one of them, you know, he and his wife and another friend of myself. And we all took the different parts in the song. And he isolated our faces and projected them on oh, these. Nice. Oh, phenomenal. But a victim of the fire a couple of years ago, oh. they lost their house and everything mm. associated with it, including that setup. And it's, oh, that's so but I still tragic. remember it fondly. I like to be able to do a little spectacle and we still do as good as we can. So if anybody's in the neighborhood, I'm not giving out my address on the air, but if you know, if <laughs> yeah. you know where I live, you know, come by and get, get, uh, get a little, a little eye candy. We still try to put out there. Any more fun facts you want to give? Do you want to talk about some... Yeah, I know you still want to talk about a few movies you wanted to bring up. You mentioned a moment um, ago yeah, something. But if movies. there's some trivia... Um, I've got some trivia. Whatever what? you would no, like. No, man. This is okay, your thing. Okay, hit you with some trivia. All right. Okay. Let's... Uh, where did the tradition... Or okay. If you see a spider on Halloween, what is it said to be? A spider? Yes. Your options are... Oh, your oh, multiple answers choice. Are, it's multiple choice. Okay. A, an omen of good luck. Mm-hmm. B, the minions of a witch. C, an omen of death. Oof. D, the spirit of a loved one watching you. Ooh, I like the more positive leaning ones, like an omen of good luck. I actually kind of, I don't mind spiders that much. Uh, I think they're kind of helpful around. Um, so I'm going to go an omen of good luck. Okay. Lauren, do you have a, a thought? I'm thinking the same thing, maybe. You are both correct. Wow. Okay. A spider on Halloween is considered an omen of good luck. However, seeing a spider fall into a lantern or a candle flame is a sign that a witch is nearby. Oh, dear. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, dear. <laughs> Lauren's out of here. Cloud of dust. Lauren's gone. And th- by the way, this trivia that you're picking up, I'm going to say, comes from... It comes from the Napa Valley Register. We're going to publish it in a couple days. Okay, great. Uh, Oh, it's a preview. Yes, it All is right. a preview. Lauren, Lauren is on the floor. Are you okay? <laughs> Are you scared of witches? Yeah, that's what I've never told you in six and a half years. I have a fear of wicked witches. Okay, let's. Oh no, let's let's avoid any more witch talk, shall oh, we? Oh, okay. Um, you can't get I through the Wizard another, of Oz, can you? Uh, this one goes. <laughs> Every time I see the wicked witch in the West, she scares me too yeah. much. She gives me nightmares. You're not the you only know, one, Lauren. Do you know that Margaret Hamilton, the woman that played the Wicked Witch of the West? Used to live in Napa. Oh. I did not know that. Yes, she did. No, I didn't know that either. She lived, I believe, on Brown Street. Oh, downtown. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Lauren, I would suggest this to you. It's probably on YouTube. I've seen this clip. Type in Mr. Rogers and Margaret Hamilton, the actress who played the Wicked Witch. It's a great scene where Mr. Rogers shows that she's not really a Wicked Witch. She's pretending. It's make-believe. And she comes in. And he helps her get into her witch's costume, you know, putting on the black dress and the black hat. And so the kids watching can see how this nice lady, who's an actress, becomes, it's just playing a part. And then they do the Wicked Witch cackle together and they have a lot of fun with it. 
It's just make believe. You might like that. It might help you get over this fear. I, I, I <laughs> okay. think it will. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, I another question. Why are scarecrows often associated with Halloween? A. Oh. I was going to give you my thoughts, but yes, it's <laughs> multiple choice. Their human-like features often gave them an eerie feel, so when dressing up became popular, many people turned to them for costume ideas. Yeah. They date back to the Celt B. They date back to the Celtic times when they were supposed to ward off spirits around Halloween. C. They symbolize the ancient agricultural roots of the holiday. Or D. There were myths that on Halloween night, scarecrows were possessed by demons and went around towns terrorizing people. Well, as fun as that sounds, um, gosh, uh, what was A again? A was their human-like features often gave them an eerie feel. See, I mean, that seems obvious. They just look kind of creepy, and this is the harvest time when you would really need to have the scarecrows before the birds eat everything. So Mm -hmm. I'm going with that. Actually... Or Lauren, do you have a question? Oh, he gave well, a clue I've there. given it away. Maybe well, it's you're not giving that one. away the question. I just, no. I just so, got to give you my answer. B, C, D. Um, I'm leaning towards B or D. I think it's, I'll go with the B. It's actually C. They were symbols of the harvest. Okay. Oh. Well, there you go. All part of the season. Well, let's not give away too much. I mean, this is a, yes. an exclusive preview. Thank you for bringing that. Oh, sorry. This has been a... Judd's Napa Valley Show exclusive. Thank you, Lauren Mole. Very cool. So that'll be in the register uh, in the next couple days. Yes. Okay. So now those of you who are listening can impress your friends by already knowing the answer to two (laughs) of them uh, by listening to our show. So you said you wanted to bring up a movie. Yes. Because we were both tongue-tied today. Yes. I wanted to bring up the movie Pontypool. Pontypool. Yes. It's a Canadian zombie. Oh, dear movie that takes place within the confines of a radio station. No. And the zombie plague is transmitted through the word, the, vo- <laughs> the vocalized word. Yes. It's, it's very entertaining. It's very quirky. Okay. It's got some great actors in it, but it's, it was originally actually a stage play and it's, it's very fun. And it was actually based on a book. I think the, the author's last name is Burgess. Okay. Can't remember his first name, but it's a very good. Uh, all right, I might have to see this, but I've kind of sworn off. Uh, I can't do the scary movies anymore. Uh-huh. We've talked about this. As is it like a scary? <laughs> there are some moments that are pretty scary. So okay. maybe I, I can maybe take not, a little but... bit, but we talked about this already. I mean, the world to me is scary enough. There's enough. Yeah. I don't need more tension in my life. But that's why I like the comedic yes. horror genre right now. The We've talked about Stand Against Evil uh, series and uh, what we do in the shadows, th- those types of things. I, I did this to myself just this past week. I thought, you know, I've got a few moments. I need a break. I'm going to watch a movie. And there's a title that has been coming up. Maybe you had recommended it to me. Other folks who are film, not just horror film, but just film aficionados. Like, Judd, this is a good movie. It's really well made. It is a horror movie. And it's, you probably know what I'm talking about, from Korea, called Train to Busan. Yes. Have you seen this one? Yes, I have. Oh, Kelly? <laughs> so since so many trusted folks said that this is a very well-made movie and I would appreciate it, I made the mistake of watching it. And, <laughs> and I will say, yes, everybody who said that is right. It is a good movie. And it is very well made. It's well-made. also very terrifying. And because it's so well-made and it is a horror movie... It is well and good. That's the right word. Horrifying. I was out of my wits. I think uh, 
I lost count of how many times I pushed a little uh, 10 seconds forward button on the you know, <laughs> streaming device. Like, I can't take this. I can't take this. This is horrendous. Yeah, absolutely terrifying zombie film uh, from Korea. I would only recommend it to mature audience who are literate because you do have to read the yes. subtitles. Although you probably don't need to read them to know what's going on. You get a pretty good sense. Those are some of the scariest zombies I've ever yes. seen. The fast-moving swarm zombies. Fast-moving are... swarms with the sharp, instantaneous sharp fangs and the white eyes. And that's all I'm, that's all I'm giving away. I'm not going to say anything else except uh, if you like that kind of thing, by all means, please train to Busan. It's a very good movie. I agree. I will not be seeing I mean, it dude, again. I, I agree that it's a good movie, and I liked it. You agree that it's a good movie, and it terrified you, and you want to have nothing to do with it in the future. That's right, and I won't even tell you how it scarred me. We'll talk about that <laughs> off the air. Um, you see the wine train go past, and you start getting It was something shaking. like that. I took off in a cloud of dust. You know, feet don't fail me now, and I was in the other direction. <laughs> um, Yikes. Any other uh, tips for, I don't know, either movies or Halloween enjoyment? We're, we're in Napa Valley where it's just, you know, beautiful. It's fun to juxtapose the, the beauty of the fall with the um, kind of the scary, creepy atmosphere. I just, you know, I, as I get older, I like to settle in and watch some of my classic, my favorite movies from the past that I really enjoy. It's I find comfort in horror films. I find I do, I'm more of a monster fan than mm-hmm. I am like the mad slasher or oh, serial killer type movies. For sure. Um, I'm uh, me too. I'm constantly looking for something that has like a good weird creature or monster in it. There are some good some good monster movies out there that I haven't you know that. What's on your list? There's two, uh, two like you haven't seen because um, I think we've talked about a lot of the ones you. Well, the the movie that I still have yet to see that I I wanted to see it's the it's from the director of Hereditary. It's Midsummer, M I D S O M M A R, and it's about some teens that go over to Sweden for a festival that only takes place like every seven years or something, and it's it's billed as a horror comedy. But I have a feeling the the it's a little bit more horror than comedy. Uh-huh. But it was made by the director of Hereditary, which is one of my favorite recent horror films. Okay, Midsummer. <clears throat> Hereditary is absolutely terrifying. Okay, it's, I probably won't see it. You know what has has appealed to me lately is watching some of these very uh, like on purpose cornball horror movies. Yes, like Ice Cream Man with Clint yes. Howard. Now, that's all well and good on its own because you know it's made tongue firmly in cheek. Yes. But Riff Tracks from the people of Mystery Science Theater 3000 where there's funny commentary throughout the movie, that I like. I like watching these horror films with very funny people commenting on them as the movie goes. Then I can take the scary stuff. I don't know if Riff Tracks or I remember seeing it on Mystery Science Theater 3000, Manos Hands of Fate. Yeah, that is one of them. has to be one of the worst yeah. horror films ever made. There was like they started the movie and then they had to like stop production for like a couple of years. <laughs> so when they got back to making the movie, people had visibly aged in like from one scene to the you next. You know, it's been a while, but I seem to recall it. I have seen that movie, and it is horribly good and really poorly made. And there's inexplicable dubbing of 
yes. characters' voices. Like the little girl, her whole voice is dubbed by an adult. So it's like that an adult trying to pretend to be a little kid. Which doesn't come off as creepy, which maybe that was the intent. It comes off as like, what the <laughs> heck are they doing? This, yeah, what? It takes you out of it. Lauren, how about you? I haven't heard if you, if you talk about any. Do you, you ever watch scary movies? Do you have any favorites? Uh, uh, any no. monsters you no. like? Or, no. Just I'm not, not into movies scary like movies. Godzilla or any sci-fi films uh, that no. you like like that? Uh, well, I'm mostly into the Superman movies oh. with Christopher Reeves. Oh, sure. Well, the original Superman is a classic. It is. Richard Donner, I think, directed those. He did. Mm -hmm. There's another funny sketch, just going off topic now, but you brought that (laughs) up, of Saturday Night Live from um, the early 80s, where Mm -hmm. Christopher Reeve is hosting, and the sketch is the final callback audition for the role of... Superman. I think and that's on YouTube somewhere. It that probably I gotta is. And see. Jim Belushi is playing uh, Richard Donner, the director. Julie Louis-Dreyfus is the assistant who's reading the lines with the candidates. And uh, it's pretty funny. That's all I'll say. <laughs> okay, so Lauren, not a scary movie fan. No. That's if okay. I, if I was Rod Reaver for me, I'd give it a thumbs down. <laughs> all of them. Yes. Okay, across the board. Well, then, I thank you for sitting through all this horror movie talk. This probably hasn't been that interesting to you. Well, we traumatized him with the talk of witches. <laughs> hey, well, so hey, I just right. do want to get... <laughs> witches? Oh, no. Okay. He's out of here again. <laughs> all right, well, we have... Uh, we've come to the end of the show. Huh? We're going to have to wrap this up. So, any final uh, trick-or-treat words you want to... Just say? have fun on Halloween. Go out there and dress up in whatever costume you want. Have fun, get some tricks, or have some tricks, <laughs> get, get some, some treats. treats, but most of all, be safe, people. Be safe, have fun. And, and if you're out there driving around on Halloween, watch out for the little kids, be careful, and drive safe. Thank you very much, Kelly Dorn. Always a pleasure to have you here. And Mr. Lauren Mole, I'm sorry about all this horror movie talk, but always a pleasure to sit here with you. Always an honor, Judd. This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gilamar production.